Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our series entitled The Global Flood Account of Genesis, we were considering the key verse describing the dynamics of the flood itself, mm-hmm. Genesis 7:11. And in our discussion, you referred to creation theories or models used by many creationists to explain just what those dynamics were. Yeah, Scott, these models take the events recorded mainly in the flood account of Genesis chapters 7 through 9, determine what we would expect to see as a result, and then propose what physical phenomena would produce what we see. So, in our last program, you mentioned in particular the hydroplate model as a way of explaining the separation of what is generally referred to as Pangaea into the continents we find on Earth today. That's right. However, the hydroplate model of creation also attempts to explain several other geological features of Earth, not just the formation of Earth's continents. And in addition to that, the hydroplate model is not the only one used by creationists to explain the results of the global flood. Another model is the catastrophic plate tectonic theory, and yet another is the vapor canopy theory. And so, before we continue in our study of the biblical account of the global flood, I think it will be helpful to explain what these models propose. Now, many years ago, we did a series of programs on the creation flood models. So rather than record that information all over again, (laughs) we're going to use those recordings to explain the model's features. The discussion begins by pointing out the importance of day two of creation. Dr. Scripture, you want to discuss ideas related to the second day of creation, And many times on our broadcast, you have said that of all the days of creation, day two is by far the most difficult to understand. (laughs) Yeah, Scott. And the reason it is hard to explain just exactly what God was doing to the earth when he, quote, separated the waters which were above the expanse from the waters which were below the expanse, unquote, as stated in Genesis 1-7, is because we don't seem to be able to observe those conditions on earth today. Well, I know that you have discussed this before, and as I recall, you have proposed that the vapor canopy theory proposed and published by Whitcomb and Morris in their famous book, The Genesis Flood, is an explanation that you believe helps explain what God did there on day two and why those conditions do not exist today. Yes, the vapor canopy theory basically proposes that on day two, the waters below the expanse were the surface waters of the earth. You know, the oceans. Yes, although... So until day three of creation, when God caused the land to appear, the earth was totally covered by one great ocean. Mm. The theory then makes the crucial proposal that the other body of water, the waters above the expanse, consisted of a great blanket of water vapor encompassing the entire earth, encompassing that entire ocean. So the expanse that separated the canopy from the ocean was the earth's atmosphere, our sky, you might say. And the reason we do not observe that vapor canopy above the atmosphere today is that canopy of water was the source of the torrential rain which fell upon the earth for the first 40 days and nights of the Great Flood. And now the vapor canopy is essentially gone. Exactly. There's nothing left up there but the stratosphere and the ionosphere and whatever other spheres are up there. (laughs) So, Dr. Scripture, as a simple description, without taking into account whatever physical laws may be involved, that vapor canopy explanation seems to make good sense 
but I've also heard you mention on previous occasions that there are some problems with that theory. Well, yes. A big part of the problem is we're trying to understand and explain the properties and even the results and effects of something we never actually observed. Hmm. Sounds similar to evolution. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good point, Scott. Okay. So what are the problems with the vapor canopy theory? Well, one of the major problems is thermodynamics. Well, of course. I mean, thermodynamics have certainly always been a problem as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, you are in rare form today. Oh, thank you. And I have to admit that thermodynamics were always a problem for me too, but (laughs) I am talking not about thermodynamics itself. I'm talking about about the fact that the problem involves thermodynamics. You see, when water as a gas condenses into a liquid, it gives off heat, Hmm. which is the reverse of turning liquid water into vapor or steam, right? Okay. I mean, you put heat energy into liquid water to make steam. So the problem for the vapor canopy theory is what happened to the tremendous amount of heat energy that would have been released by all that water vapor condensing in the atmosphere as it turned to rain. That much heat would have boiled the earth and nothing would have survived. So now one explanation could be that God caused the heat to go out into space. But that pretty much amounts to miraculous intervention by God. So what's wrong with that? I mean, God definitely can and does perform miracles when he wants to. Well, he certainly does. However, if as a scientific theory, we call upon the solution of, quote, God did a miracle, unquote, over and over again to explain away physical problems, the theory isn't actually very scientific. It becomes a just-so story, something we actually as creationists criticize the evolutionists for doing over and over again when their explanations have logical or physical problems when it comes to explaining how evolution could happen. So, as with any theory, or really to be more accurate with our scientific terminology right here, as with any hypotheses, What you really need to do is alter or add to the hypothesis to make it fit more criteria that affect the phenomena you're trying to understand and explain. So creationists have proposed other theories instead of the vapor canopy theory? Well, at least in addition to it, Scott. The other two major theories, or let's use the word models for the sake of our discussion for right now, the two explanations in addition to the vapor canopy model are catastrophic plate tectonics and hydroplates. Okay, now you're going to have to explain those terms. I've heard of plate tectonics, but I'm not sure I could explain it to anyone else. And hydroplates, well, that just sounds like something that happens just before a car wreck. (laughs) No, hydroplane, hydroplaning, Scott. (laughs) And the hydroplate model pretty much does describe something involved in a huge wreck. Okay. The wreck called the destruction of Pangaea. But I'll explain both the catastrophic plate tectonics model and the hydroplate model a little more specifically than just they're big wrecks. (laughs) Oh, good. Even though they are both big wrecks actually on a planetary scale. A planetary scale. So it sounds like they have something to do with a global flood, like the vapor canopy theory? Yeah, they're all parts of the explanation of day two combined with the description of the great flood, especially Hmm. there in Genesis chapter 7. So in fact, the catastrophic plate tectonic model and the hydroplate model both address the question of what happened to the land as well as the water. Because a commonly held belief about the Earth's land surfaces is they have undergone drastic changes over time. 
Now, the evolutionary explanations, of course, involve vast periods of time on the order of millions of years. And the creation explanations involve much less time. Well, I know that a common description of the Earth is that in the distant past, just about all the land on Earth was contained in one huge Mm -hmm. continent. But that's generally associated with the idea that the Earth is billions of years old, isn't it? Well, yes. The Pangaea theory basically proposes that about 500 million years ago, Mm. one big continent, Pangaea, started breaking apart as huge tectonic plates separated. And over that vast amount of time, the continents which ride on those tectonic plates have ended up in the positions they're in today. Now, that theory is a classic uniformitarian explanation of geological phenomena. However, that creation model I mentioned called the catastrophic plate tectonics theory is very similar, except it postulates that the breakup of Pangaea occurred as part of the Great Flood. And the tectonic plates moved very rapidly, forming the separate continents of today. And that explains the use of the word catastrophic. Exactly. Both explanations involve plate tectonics, but one is catastrophic. (laughs) In other Mm -hmm. words, it proposes that most of the geological features on Earth are the result of major catastrophic events. Disasters, in other words, that dramatically and rapidly change everything. The other explanation is a uniformitarian one. In other words, things happen as we observe them in general right now very slowly, almost imperceptibly. So for huge changes to occur, for example, like an Atlantic Ocean forming between the eastern and western hemispheres, vast periods of time would have to have elapsed. Something like half a billion years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. So as what is so often the case, the big difference between secular and biblical descriptions of natural history is the time factor. And of course, the acceptance of biblical revelation as truth by creationists and its rejection by evolutionists. So, an important piece of information revealed in the Bible, which is incorporated into the catastrophic plate tectonic model, is what is stated in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, where it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So notice the first part of the description of the flood doesn't involve rain at all. It involves water coming up out of the ground, the great fountains of the deep bursting open. That would then explain this idea of the tectonic plates separating Hmm. and water coming up out of the ground as a result of that. And with that happening very, very rapidly, in other words, these plates sliding very quickly, the Pangaea idea of a giant continent being broken up fits in both with the plate tectonic theory— taking half a billion years, and the catastrophic plate tectonic theory, which basically proposes that the continents pretty much took the positions that they're in today in the period of the year Mm. of the flood, the flooding time and then the receding of the water time, taking, according to what the Bible records, 370 days. So we're talking massive geologic upheaval. Absolutely. And the mountain ranges forming as these plates slam into each other, slide down one underneath another. And then as the plates were separating on different parts of the Earth, you've got the Pacific Ocean forming as well as the Atlantic Ocean forming. 
But all that having been said, there are some creationists who have pointed out problems with the whole concept of plate tectonics explaining the geology of the Earth. Now, I'm not going to try to get into the specifics of that, and obviously we're going to have to take another program to describe the hydroplate model, which is addressing some of these problems. But what I want to do before we conclude today is talk about a couple of the problems with the catastrophic plate tectonic model. And the biggest problem that other creationists point out is similar to the problem with the canopy theory, and that is the generation of heat. Mm. The amount of heat that would be generated from those continents slamming into each other, sliding yeah. over one another. I mean, you can imagine that the mountain ranges would be formed, but again, the amount of heat from all that friction and the movement of these incredible masses would be incredible. And the other problem that creationists point out is the layering, the problem of all the strata that we mm. see on the earth. Because what we can see in the earth today is over a mile plus of thousands of layers of sedimentary rock. Now, all that sand and all that silt and all of that limestone would have had to have been produced during the flood. But the catastrophic plate tectonic model has a hard time explaining how there can be as much layering as we see in the Earth today. The hydroplate theory basically gives us an explanation as to how we could get that much erosion and have that many layers on the Earth today. And it also provides a way to explain how you don't have to have as much heat generated during the production of those layers that the catastrophic plate tectonic theory would produce. And so on our next program, I'll explain what the hydroplate model proposes, as well as some of the problems with that particular model, especially in my mind anyway, when you compare it with scripture, especially one particular verse, Genesis 1, 7 and 8, which says, and God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.